It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That pretty starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself in the world, but it don't need something with your own head. Beat it up and I've got no people. And a fucking platter with a fear fight down. Like fire in the fire, but it's just a gang from the government for hiring the combat site. But it wasn't coming in a hurry, but you're getting it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. Well, I don't know. I don't think I'm that mysterious. I'm pretty much a out front there kind of guy. You're a very honest person. That's right. Open and honest and just a heck of a guy. <laughs> That's right. Hey, this is the Hour of Doom. And Bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour. A safe place for snowflakes, well, maybe, but also for survivalists in an unsafe world. I'm Joe Altenendi, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net. You're going to find a thousand posts, videos, and podcasts there on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And together we are the medical matrimony, the spectacular spouses, the hosts with the most. And we're here to help the faithful few keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Can I also say I'm an avid container and yard gardener? Oh, are you? I don't you? want people to think I have like acres and acres. So how I'm many? I'm a yard gardener and a container gardener. So how many containers have you produced <laughs> in your crop of containers? Oh. Since you have a container garden, so that means you're producing containers, right? I actually right? haven't produced any containers yet. <laughs> um, I've grown some container seeds, but <laughs> they failed to uh, germinate. So yeah, we failed in our. Well, the containers are usually container empty. growing, uh, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I get it. I followed you. Huh? <laughs> you're the bomb. You are indeed. I need to cut your hair again. You have a stray crazy hair. Okay, well, as long as it's not sticking out of my nose. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> nor right. your ears, or nor my ears. No. How about that? Isn't you, that amazing? You don't have you big, th- you think, wiry. You think hairs. I would at this point, but no. <laughs> Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a sanctimonious salamander? Well, some salamanders are indeed a little smug. That's what sanctimonious means. And I'll be darned if I associate with salamanders who think they're morally superior to me. That's what I say. (laughs) We all know how they go around selling insurance like some huckster. 
Salamanders. That's right. I've, oh, I've, wait. No, that's not a salamander. That's a say, lizard, right? I have to say. Oh, a gecko. That's a gecko. That's right. I would have to say I've never bought insurance from a gecko. No. Or Nor a lizard. Nor, or sal- or nor a salamander, nor a I would guess. Well, I deeply apologize to any salamander who may have been triggered by all this. I have a safe place under a rock for <laughs> you right here. Right here. I got by water. You. Isn't it by water? By water. That's right. Well, here's our disclaimer spoken by... If you're still a, listening. Yeah. <laughs> <By> now. <laughs> Something that might actually make sense. Go I know, ahead. right. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Don't listen to a thing we say. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but but I'll tell you one thing. In times of trouble, you got to show the world you got more sense than a bag of barnacles and get the training and education that you need. And you know what? While you're at it, you better get a quality medical kit as well. And there is no better place to get that quality medical kit. I know in my heart of hearts that Nurse Amy has the best line Aww. of often imitated, never equal, equaled medical kits at her website at store.doomandbloom.net. I want you to compare our kits for contents and quality and cost with anybody else's stuff, and I mean anybody, and you'll agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. If you want more proof, just check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net. See what folks just like you have to say about our medical kits and service. And on top of that, They're approved for your health and flexible savings accounts. Just look at our special HSA, FSA section in the store. And don't forget to subscribe to our website at doomandbloom.net, and you'll get special coupons and all that in our newsletter that we send out. We don't send them out too often, but I'll tell you what, you'll save some dough, and you will be glad that you signed up. And our newsletters are free. 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 That's right. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's going on is some pretty crazy stuff <gasps> out west. The earthquakes. That's right. Oh there my was gosh. a 7.1 magnitude earthquake last night. But the 6.4 was the one they thought was the big one. Right. They thought it was. Now they had to make that, what is it called, a pre-shock or something? I guess a pre-shock. And I, they go by whatever it is, happens to be the highest magnitude. Quake is the main quake. And so right. I guess that happened last night. 7.1. the 7.1 might not might not even be the big one. They're not even sure. Yes, we don't know what's happening. I'll tell you one thing. I'm looking right now at the U.S. Geologic Survey map, Mm -hmm. and there are a whole bunch of little earthquakes that are bouncing around that exact area where all these big quakes have popped up. So Mm -hmm. things are still bouncing around in there. There's a lot of fault lines in that area, and I think they're still pretty active. So... You know, I want people to be safe. We're going to talk a little bit about this. And you really have to be careful. Even what they have had so far, it wasn't even in a very populated area. It caused several structure fires. Uh, Some people needed to have an ambulance come to their location. So I luckily I haven't heard much about injuries or deaths, thank goodness. But these are things that indeed certainly could happen. So... This is important to know. The tremors, by the way, originated in a remote desert area and spared us what could have been real a real catastrophe mm-hmm. if it happened in the middle of Los Angeles. Well, 
you know that there could have been all sorts of terrible things. Imagine some of those buildings if they wound up uh, being shaken to their foundations. What could possibly happen if they became structurally unsound? Very scary. That is really scary. Well, see, I'm sure the newer buildings are meant to withstand a certain level of earthquake, but there are a lot of older buildings, a lot of older homes. There are homes around there. I mean, it's been Hollywood, Los Angeles since, what, the 30s, 40s? When did that get built up? Yeah, in the the late 20s. 20s. So, you know, there's some really older buildings there. Yeah, so you really have to worry about it. And and we wrote about, well, you know, we've done... We've talked about earthquakes in the past, and not not even the, I think last year we talked about them, mm-hmm. but uh, we didn't write about them until just a couple of days ago. I mean, I wrote about them, I think, five or six years, years ago. Years ago. Right. But uh, I have a new one up at the website of doomandbloom.net that you might like. Uh, and I guess the, the reason why I wrote that last earthquake one was because a movie called San Andreas was actually oh, at the box office okay. at a so people the were interested. Rock. What am yeah. I going to do if this right. really happens to me? Exactly, and so it showed you all this computer generated destruction in that movie. It was very impressive, but I'm, even even if it's a little over the top in that movie, I'll tell you what, it's not as impressive as seeing it up close and personal happen in your own neighborhood. Uh, we have been through disasters. We've been through South Florida's Hurricane Andrew in 1992. The 2016 Gatlinburg fire affected us. We have a home in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. These were disasters that ex- that affected us personally. I actually had a tornado actually hit my house and do some damage uh, back in 1978 with my first house. I just bought my first house three, house three weeks earlier. Oh, my gosh. And I was in the house. I felt like a freight train was just passing right by, like two feet away from the house. It was that scary and i had to actually i i actually you're supposed to go into an inside interior room but i actually had to push my body against the door because it seemed like the door was going to buckle in and just blow off its hinges i'm not sure that was the safest and it was right but then again (laughs) you were young and not a not into preparedness at that time so i had really no idea what to do? I mean, we knew what what to do for hurricanes, like a lot of South Florida people. Right. But we didn't know, certainly didn't expect a tornado. And we just had a close friend who lives down here have her roof pulled up. Yes. Just like with a tornado four days ago. Yes, that's right. In Miami, and also. that's here down in uh, South Florida. We're not part of Tornado Alley. No. Down here, but we do get our share of tornadoes. I remember seeing water spouts off the coast as well. Uh, happen so these things are can happen just about anywhere. I mean, the United States is indeed the world's capital for tornadoes. Yep, and and lightning too. By the way, I don't know if you knew. That. Oh, I did not know yeah. that. So crazy, baby. So anyhow, you, you get warnings for hurricanes. Sometimes tornadoes they have tornado sirens, even approaching wildfires, but you don't get much warning of an impending earthquake. There is a system for predicting imminent quakes. But even the developers of the system are unsure at one point warnings really help to save lives or perhaps maybe cost them because of causing panic in the general population. That is pretty crazy. So there are some important things to know. How can you protect yourself and your loved ones if you're near the epicenter of a quake of a seismic event? Well, planning ahead is going to give you the best chance of keeping your family intact, even if everything else falls apart. 
and a good start is having an earthquake planned. And one of the best ways to start is to get some good advice. And I'll tell you that the ready.gov website is just a fountain of information. It will tell you exactly what items you should have, what kind of plan of action would work for you. And you have to formulate it a little bit so that it is personalized more so it does work for you and not just the average citizen. But once you figure out what your plan of action is, you got to always make sure that every member of your family knows what actions to take, no matter where they are when the earthquake hits. You know, because the truth is, unless an earthquake occurs in the dead of night, when everybody's sleeping in the house, well, it's unlikely your family's going to be together. I mean, And then I think that's what happened last night. At 8 o'clock, the earthquake hit that was kind of a few miles away from the original one, probably an area people weren't expecting it, but they were all home. So that was a good thing. That was actually kind of a miracle because of what you're talking about, that during the day, people are going to be more spread out. That's exactly right. And if you have a job, mm-hmm. you're going to be at one place. If right. If your wife or your husband or your significant other has a job they'll probably you probably don't work together you probably right. work at different locations your kids might be at school other family members or are, are in their own house or summer camp summer camp this possibly summer. yeah uh, uh, your parents will be in their own home so the problem is is that these various places might have they might have their own contingency plans for disaster the home that your parents live in they might be in a community where they close some of the roads if something mm-hmm. like happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, your kids might be at a school that has its own contingency plan right. if there are tremors in their area. And, you know, how are you going to get them home and how, how are you going to communicate with your family and make sure that everybody's on the same page? Well, you do it by making sure they know beforehand what they should be doing and that you know the plans of local municipalities and local institutions that might affect your ability. Well, that local institution. Because what will happen with the school, and this happens with any kind of lockdown, is they just lock the doors. They keep the kids safe. It's their job. They know the parents are not on site, and they want to keep the kids safe. So a lot of times they'll just tell parents, you know, we're going to take care of the kids. Don't come. Don't crowd up the front of the building with a thousand parents trying to find a thousand different kids at all at one time, just you guys stay there. We'll take care of the kids so that you know that so you're not trying to get to the school. If they're not going to let you have your kid for a certain period of time for safety, there's no sense in going there. So you're absolutely right. You need to understand what the policy is. And I'm not sure because I didn't grow up nor when I had children in school, did we have any kind of earthquake plan? No action, right? In fact, there weren't active shooter plans either because that wasn't happening too much when my kids were Back smaller. Then. I mean, very So that's the rarely. thing. I, I'll tell you, I would have trouble thinking that the government or the local school is going to adequately take care of my but child listen, when they have hundreds of children that they probably have to take I, care of. I understand that, but usually the schools are built with strict building codes they know where the safe areas are, and, you know, do I really want to take the chance of chaos happening in front of the school with all of these kids trying to be picked up by, you know, so many different parents? Now, if it's a small school, maybe even a, a private school or a daycare, 
and there's just a limited number of kids, it's probably not such a big idea, a big problem. But when you have a lot of classrooms full of a lot of kids, you just can't have a thousand parents showing up at the front door. Think about it. All at once. Because no one's going to wait in line. Unlike when you pick your kids up in a normal fashion, when I did with my car, I got in a huge line and we all, one at a time, pulled up to the front. Somebody who was watching all of the kids would walk the child to the car, make sure, you know, they didn't ask you who you were specifically, but they would make sure the kid seemed comfortable getting in the car. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to show your driver's license, but they wanted to make sure there was no, like, panic or frightened look on a child and they got to know you and they made contact knowing that whose parent was what with what child but you know we have everyone show up nobody's gonna wait in line you're not gonna sit in the back of a 500 car line waiting for your kid when you're in a panic everyone's just going to run to the front of the building in mass so that makes so i understand why they would say just don't give us a certain period of time Let's let things calm down. You take care of yourself. We'll take care of your kids. And nowadays, a lot of kids probably, sadly, but I guess good, have cell phones. So it's likely that your kid would be able to at least text message you or borrow a friend's phone and text message you. Just, Mom, I'm okay. You know, or, or a quick hello if, if the lines are working. That's, That's another true. thing you got to worry about with the earthquake. Think about those giant satellite towers we've seen. Right. I wonder how that handles an earthquake. Those are hundreds of feet tall. These t- these uh, cell phone towers. Yep, that's those true. Those can Crazy. tumble. Oh boy! If those go down, then we've got issues with you know getting service and talking to each other. But anyway, I do understand why schools would do that. I'm not sure if that's their policy, but I, I would get it. Well, I'm as much they have as a, I would want to go get my kid, knowing right. that I would be able to take care of them better. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in that crowd trying to get all the kids at once. Well, you gave me something to think about. I would say, man, get over there and get get I, your kid. There's nobody can take care of your I, kid like you can. But I know that. I but guess you're right. If they're going to lock the doors and not let you in, then you're wasting your time. I don't know. I wonder if everybody out there agrees. Well, in any case, you I want to... You can't force your way in once they lock I those gates. I don't think I can't. <laughs> huh. <laughs> So what should be in your earthquake kit? Well, an earthquake kit, obviously, you're going to need water filters. You're going to need water, but you're also going to need filters because you don't know how long your water is going to last. Uh, You need food. You need supplies to treat injuries. A good medical kit, I know where you you can find one of those. (laughs) You you might have heard about putting together bug-out bags, and, of course, uh, many of you have them ready for major disasters, but... Uh, given that an earthquake may damage roads, you might actually have to have a get-home bag as well. Not one that you keep in the house for to hit the road with, but one that you keep in the vehicle to get home with. That is something that would also require some food, some hydrating fluids, maybe a, a, a pair of sturdy walking shoes after seeing some of the damage that I saw to some of the roads from the earthquake. So you might actually wind up having to walk home, and somebody you want to be able to have comfortable shoes to do that with. Right, and actually somebody mentioned that to us through um, a nice little email about shelters. When you had a tornado shelter, that a pair of shoes for each person who might be down there, maybe some extra ones for neighbors that 
happen to be around or, or join you down there. Because if it's the middle of the night and you just have seconds to get into your shelter, nobody thinks about grabbing a pair of shoes. But if there's glass that's been broken because your right. windows were busted out or, or something else, there's glass on the ground, you can really hurt yourself. So having shoes in your bug out bag is not a bad idea. You might have on the wrong shoes at the time and you need to hoof it, right. as they say. That's so you right. want to have a good pair of, of sneakers or, or boots, walking boots, exactly, hiking boots. Exactly, yes. But also if you have shelters, to put shoes in the shelters for everybody. Right. And some makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And you can get them at, you know, secondhand stores. I would get them. I I don't know about being able to figure out. I don't know about figuring out what shoes you might give other people that happen to be there. But you can get get sandals. You can get flip flops. A lot of flip flops for cheap. Right on the cheap. So that's a good good thing to do. You want to have a heat source, something to cook with. Uh, You want to have, of course, as I mentioned, a a way to sterilize water. I think Amy's got uh, some mini sawyers and some life straws on the website, so you can find all sorts of stuff there. Um, blankets, extra clothes, that's important. Amy mentioned the shoes already. You might consider having a fire extinguisher. Certainly, we saw some house fires break out in the wake of these tremors that occurred in California. You want to have, of course, some portable radio so you can keep track of emergency alerts when the power's uh, off. Extra batteries and chargers, flashlights. You want to have, of course, you have to deal with your pets, so you want to have pet supplies available. You want to have some cash on hand, too. Remember that if credit cards or debit card systems uh, go down, then they're going to only want to accept actual cash, so have some money in small bills available as well. Uh, you want to have, of course, the, the a wrench or uh, some Sometimes they have a key that turns off gas or water if you have to do that. And you also, I think you should always carry maybe on your keychain a whistle or other kind of noisemaker in case of you're being trapped under debris. If you live in an area where there are earthquakes and things like that can happen, I think that makes a lot of sense. Don't forget that you need to know about your home, where the gas, electric, and water main shutoffs are. You want to make sure that family members also have an idea of what to do with them if there's a leak or an electrical short. And if you have a generator, you always have to be sure never to run it where fumes can enter the home. I remember after Hurricane Irma, we had a family of four that was wound up going to the hospital because they were using their generator right at the doorway. It wasn't even in the house. It was in the doorway, but enough fumes got in the house and got people sick. Now, one thing that I see with all these emergency recommendations that you should have three days' worth of supplies, I personally don't agree with that. I think that three days is a pretty arbitrary number. I think you should have a week's worth of supplies at the very least because you never know how long you're going to be without power. So three days. Better to be overprepared than underprepared. That's right. After some of the big hurricanes that passed through in the last couple of years, There were people without power for a couple of weeks at least. So this is something that you really have to think about. Is three days really enough food and water and other supplies to have? Just an arbitrary number. At least have enough for a week. That's my opinion. Now, everybody should know where the nearest medical facility is. Do you know where your nearest hospital is? You might be a young stallion that is healthy and doesn't need to 
worry about these things normally, but you should know where the nearest medical facility is in case you or someone you love winds up being injured. Now, if having said that, you should expect emergency medical personnel to be pretty much overwhelmed in a major quake. It may be difficult for them to get to you, so please get some medical training. Take a CERT course, a first responder course, or something like that in case you have to treat injuries and you are indeed the highest medical asset left to people in the area. You never know when that might happen. It could happen any day when you may become the first person to come upon an accident in a car or something like that. These are things that are important to think about. Now, considering the unpredictability of earthquakes, it's important to do everything possible to minimize the damage that could occur and prevent injuries before the event. Exactly, because an ounce of prevention is worth worth a pound of cure. cure. You're absolutely right. Now, some simple planning can make a big difference. I want you to look around your house for fixtures like chandeliers, like shelving that might not be stable enough to withstand a good shaking. That's something that's important. Make sure that heavy items are on the bottom shelves, not on the top shelves or on the floor. And if you have bookcases, secure them to, to the walls. The wall. I think they have wall studs and yes. things like that that you can really secure them to. Really good ones. I think that's really important. I'll tell you what. I think that most bookshelves these days, because of probably lawsuits of them falling over on little children, are now coming with the special bolts and security that they need to not fall off of a wall. Because what has happened in the past is little kids have climbed on bookcases and the bookcase has come away from the wall and fallen and sometimes either severely injured or unfortunately and sadly killed the small child. Terrible. So because of those lawsuits and also maybe because of you know some of the natural disasters that they are now coming with their special bolts and screws and things to secure them to the wall. All right, makes a lot of sense. I think there are even straps that you can buy. If you can imagine strapping your furniture to the wall, you're going to be in some significant earthquake area. Well, some of our bu- but make sure everything's secured. Televisions, cabinets, anything that's glass, mirrors, sure, uh, exactly. heavy pictures. Right. You just you want to be able to if you thought about moving that wall that that whatever's on that wall isn't going anywhere. Unless yeah. the whole wall comes down, whatever is attached to it or laying against it or hanging mm-hmm. on it isn't going to move. Right. You don't want to have a, have to a big it. mirror over your the headboard of your bed. You, you want to make or sure over that... Your, right. Or over your bed. Or, oh, well. Ceiling mirrors. Aren't are we adventurous? No, remember in the 70s? <laughs> yeah, sure. All the parents had mirrors on their, they did. their I don't bedroom wanna, ceilings. Well, I'm not sure I want to see that. Well, anyhow, flat screen TVs. Now, they can be so huge these days that you certainly know that they could easily topple if they're not anchored. So those are things you definitely need to do. And, of course, there are lots of pesticides and other flammable items that are pretty much part of what you keep in your garage or right outside the door, your back door maybe to your garden. And you got to make sure these things are in good closed containers so that they don't wind up exploding as a part of some kind of gas leak or other terrible thing that could happen if there is really a bad quake. So what do you do when the big one hits? When you have that big earthquake and everything is shaking, what 
do you do? First off, don't panic. Whatever you do, it's not going to help you. You've got to simply remember three simple words or four simple words. Drop, cover, and hold on. Uh, or five simple words. <laughs> I'm, boy, I'm counting. I better count my and, words a little better. That's okay. So what do you do when the tremors start? If you are inside the house, drop, get under a table, a desk, something else really solid, and hold on. If there is nothing available that meets the criteria, well, huddle against the inside corner of a room and cover your head with your hands. You should always stay clear of windows, shelves, kitchen areas. These are places that you do not want to be trying to shelter if you are in the midst of an earthquake. Now, if the building's shaking violently, obviously you don't want to run out because most injuries seem to occur when you're falling down stairs of a shaking building, hit being getting hit by debris as you are trying to run out. So that's one thing that you need to avoid. Another thing you should avoid is being in a liquor store during an earthquake. Yeah, we saw a, vi- a video of the aftermath of one of these uh, recent quakes to a local liquor store. I think, where was it? Near Bakersfield, I guess, or Ridgecrest, California. And I'm not man, sure. Man, oh man. All I know is it was absolute total chaos. The wine section looked like all the wine bottles left the shelf at the same time and went surfing together. In a cascade. It was because, like a waterfall of wine bottles. Because the top ones weren't actually broken. So they probably all moved together off the shelf. Right. Rolling around. Rolling down like off the shelf together so that the top ones were spared. Now the other alcohol in the store was not so lucky. Right. It looked like someone had said, I hate that liquor store, and went in there and just pulled everything off the the shelves. There was red wine and white wine and vodkas and rums and, I don't know, liqueurs, (laughs) beers. The beer cans probably survived a little better. I think we saw some cases. Those might have fared a little better, maybe a little dented, but... It was such what, a mess. What a mess. Imagine all that alcohol on the floor. Was, Imagine if there was something that lit Every aisle. Lit every that alcohol. Every single aisle was like that. It was like a, the house became a huge Molotov cocktail if if somebody had decided to strike a match to the oh, floor no, of the place. So Those poor uh, people. I feel so bad for them. Other things you should avoid. get Do not get on an elevator. And simply you have to realize that electricity could easily go out. Um, other things that will happen, the fire alarms will ring, sprinkler systems may activate, all, sort, all hell can break loose. You're just giving so, me more ideas of why I don't like elevators. <laughs> oh, yeah. So get one on yeah, and then earthquake like happens. So now I'm swaying gentlemen. in the shaking building and then the electricity goes off. That is just a dominoes of fears <laughs> all together <laughs> now some people will tell you that you should stand in a doorway that's the safest place because the frame is sturdier mm-hmm. than the rest of the house well it turns out in modern times that most doorways aren't any more solid than any other part of the structure so if if it's your front door just run out in that case i would that's say true. don't just stand in the doorway it's not going to help 
Uh, once the initial tremors are over, you definitely need to get outside. And once you're there, stay as far away from power lines, chimneys, and pretty much anything else that can fall over on top of you, billboards, Big things buildings like that. filled with glass. Right, exactly. Now, what if you're in the car when the earthquake hits? Well, what you need to do in that case is you want to get out of traffic as soon as you possibly can. Other drivers, remember, are going to be less level-headed than you most probably, and they are definitely a hazard. Now, don't stop under bridges, trees, overpasses. I saw some people killed when an overpass collapsed in San Francisco in 1994 when there was a big quake. Uh, power lines, light posts, those need to stay away from. And you should stay, however, in your vehicle while the tremors are active. You will have some protection. At least there's some metal over your head that you might be able to protect you from some casual debris. Now, in the aftermath of the earthquake, should you go home? Well, if you're in a coastal area, you have to wonder, is there a risk for a tsunami occurring? These things can certainly happen, especially for quakes that uh, originate offshore. Elsewhere. That's right. right. In, in that case, you know, you want to go inland. Now, if you go to your house and you find your residence is heavily damaged, it might just be dangerous to enter. Maybe just structurally so unsound that it might be dangerous to enter it. So always err on the side of caution with regards to this. One big issue to be concerned about, gas leaks. Make sure you don't use your camp stoves or your lighters or even matches until you're certain all is clear in your house and that there is no gas leak. Even a match can ignite a spark that can lead to a explosion. Did you see what just happened near us? Yeah, in uh, the Fort mall, Lauderdale there was about a gas explosion. 10 miles away from us. Right, a gas explosion in a shopping mall of injured 20 people. At least one building is just gone. Just large like, building. Just like a bomb hit it. It is I don't know how someone didn't die from that. It is pretty honestly. crazy. It's a Saturday and it's populated. It's this true. is when everyone goes shopping and that that's a big shopping area. It's yeah. an outdoor shopping area, but I really, I don't know right. how. And we don't get earthquakes around here. No. So, so it's There pretty... was a gas leak and a huge explosion. Now, if you're going to be cleaning up in the aftermath of an earthquake, you got to should wear personal protection gear, long pants, long sleeves, boots, work gloves, protective eyewear while you clean up debris. Remember, there are going to be a lot of heavy objects that may need to be moved don't move them don't or try to lift them without assistance wait i just want to mention something you just discussed eyewear i'm getting ready to put up an eye injury video as soon as we're done recording this in fact i might have the video up before you get this podcast no up. way Eye injury. don't believe it our All youtube right. channel that's right so make sure you check out dr bones nurse amy youtube channel you'll see over 200 videos. I don't know if you've ever gone there, but you'll find lots of information there. Uh, telephone service, well, you can't count on it. Amy was talking about cell towers, whether yeah. they might uh, survive or a major quake. Or if they lose electricity. Mm. I mean, that's all it'll take. Those things can happen. Telephone companies. I haven't seen any generators at the bottom of the cell phone towers. Now, of course, there's going to be a great deal of traffic. Yes. In terms of phone calls, uh, cell phone companies are pretty much equipped to deal with about 20% of total call volume at any one time. So if there's a big disaster, you know people are trying to connect with their families. So don't be surprised if you have trouble getting a voice call in. You probably would be more successful with texts. They seem to have a, a wavelength that can handle more traffic. So consider texting more than 
then it's about time, Grandpa, you learned to do a little texting. That's all I got to say. <laughs> my dad will actually text to me. And I told my brother something about, oh, Dad sent me a text. And my brother was like, what? I'm like, yeah, he sent me a text. He's like, I didn't know he know how to, knows how to do that. <laughs> I'm like, no, Dad is tech savvy now. <laughs> he loves his iPad. Now, one more thing I want to talk about, and that's the absolute worst thing. What happens if your building collapses and you're trapped under debris? Wow, that is scary as hell, especially if you're claustrophobic. Boy, I'll tell you, it is, it's scary in any situation. You're probably going to be inhaling a great deal of dust, so the important thing is to try to cover your face with an article of clothing. Anything else that might serve as a barrier, that's important. Uh, don't light matches gas uh, to see if you can see what's going on. Gas leaks can cause an explosion. We've talked about that. Use anything you can to tap on something solid to let people know that you're there. So try to make noise. Now, if you live in an earthquake zone, it goes back to what I recommended. Attach a whistle maybe to your keychain. They'll make a lot more noise and will wind up taking up less of your energy than just screaming at the top of your lungs. So that's important. You can get exhausted pretty quickly. Now, after an earthquake or any natural disaster, boy, you got to be prepared. If you are prepared, if you have a plan of action, you're going to end up miles ahead of everybody else. That's right. In terms of keeping your loved ones out of harm, harm's way. So have a plan, store up supplies, learn some first aid, and make sure that earthquake is going to be a bump on the road, but not the end of the road Absolutely. For, for you and your family. Hey, you know, one thing that we haven't talked about for for, gosh, a month Dur of Sundays. A darn long time. That's right. <laughs> is arthritis. And the funny thing is that we are all going to be prone to arthritis at one point or another in our lives. If you live long enough. That's right. You know, over the course of time, the, the moving parts of humans suffer wear and tear, just like the moving parts of your car or any, really any machine. So we get damage to especially our joints, say our ankles, knees, hips, even the joints between our spine, our vertebra, are prone to deterioration. It is just part of the process. And you can expect an acceleration of this process when we have demands on our body increase because we are thrown off the grid and wind up having to do activities of daily survival much more exertional than what exertional. we normal, normally do. I made up that word. Exertional. It may, may exist, though. I love the word. might actually be a word. I'll have to look that up, but I love the word. Well, anyhow, degenerative <laughs> changes to joints, well, that damage is known as osteoarthritis. And I have it. On x-ray, they tell me that I have a amount of, of degenerative changes that they can see in my vertebra and, and a number of my joints. And those are pretty pretty common. And unfortunately, the advances that we've made in degenerative disease, such as like hip replacements and things like that, those will not be options off the grid. Right. There's not going to be curative remedies, but still we can improve our quality of life with some methods that we're going to be talking about in just a few minutes. Today, we're going to concentrate on rheumatoid arthritis. We have a listener named Sarah who we said we would talk about rheumatoid arthritis. It's one of her interests and it's been some time since we've mentioned that on the podcast, so I want to talk a little bit about rheumatoid arthritis. It's the most common autoimmune disease in the world. That means that it's a disorder in which the body's immune system actually attacks its own tissues. Now, the attack is not only directed at the joint, but also to other parts of the body. Unlike 
some joint diseases like osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis is sort of, you can sort of tell when somebody has rheumatoid arthritis, there's certain ways that the bones actually deform, the joints deform that Mm -hmm. give you an idea that that's the case. And rheumatoid arthritis, interestingly enough, tends to affect the same joint on both sides of the body, whereas uh, a osteoarthritis can occur more on one side than another. It depends on the kind of damage that I, has occurred. I think you have a finger that's kind of I have a finger a that has lumpy, some os- right. That but I your have, other hand doesn't have it. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't really have as, at least quite as much. Right. It's, I guess, just something that occurs just with age. Although I did jam that finger with a basketball once years and years ago. So this is something that is a big issue. It seems to affect, by the way, more women than men. This is something that you actually see a little bit more often in women. Rheumatoid arthritis especially affects joints in the fingers and the wrists, also commonly seen in knees and elbows. And over the time, it can lead to pretty severe deformities. So uh, you'll see this actually starting in younger populations than when osteoarthritis starts. Mm-hmm. There are actually children that have rheumatoid arthritis. So and there's sad. juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and it can be pretty terrible in those kids. Um, other symptoms that are associated with it that you might that you might not see with just plain old degenerative osteoarthritis. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, dry mouth is one. A dryness, itching, and burning in the eyes, believe it or not. In the eyes, you can actually get symptoms. Insomnia, strange sensations in the hands or feet, nodules under the skin, chest pain when taking a breath. These are some things that you might see. There's really no cure for rheumatoid arthritis, at least so far. Treatments concentrate on easing the symptoms. Uh, Medical therapy includes strong anti-inflammatory medications such as oral steroids. There are some drugs that are in the pipeline at the present time that are in stage three trials. So we may see some that will help decrease symptomatology in people that have moderate to severe uh, rheumatoid arthritis. I don't remember the name of that particular drug or those drugs at the present time, but I know that there are going to be new drugs coming out in the next year or two that may be helpful. Thank there, goodness. That's right. There is another autoimmune disease that's pretty common. Our uh, sister-in-law has it named uh, named systemic lupus erythematosus. Lupus for short, and that is something diagnosed usually by blood testing. You can identify it and differentiate it from rheumatoid arthritis because it seems to be always on one side, unlike rheumatoid arthritis, which usually is on both sides. You can also see patients with lupus experience things like hair loss and body rashes that sometimes are shaped like discs. Uh, It's also treated, however, with long-term oral steroids. Even though rheumatoid arthritis can't be cured, you can prevent the condition from worsening somewhat, And weight loss is one way to improve symptoms and prevent progression by causing less strain on the joints. Uh, Physical therapy is useful. It helps strengthen muscles that support joints, uh, and it's thought to be helpful. Now, here are some natural remedies, and some of them may not appeal to the rugged chew-on-a-log-for-breakfast members of our audience, but keep an open mind. But One I think that everybody can agree on is the benefit of heat and cold. Many doctors recommend heat and cold treatments to ease rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, and each offers different benefits. Cold 
curbs joint swelling and inflammation. So you would apply an ice pack to an affected joint during a flare-up. You would apply it for about 15 minutes at a time, and you want to take at least 30 minutes break between treatments, but you can do it multiple times. Heat, heat I think is really useful. It, it relaxes your muscles. It spurs blood flow to the area that's uh, irritated. You can use a moist heating pad or a warm, damp towel. That might be enough. So many people like microwaving uh, hot packs that uh, they have commercially. They're very useful. Uh, just don't go too hot. Your skin shouldn't burn. You can also use heat therapy in the shower. Let the warm water hit the painful area in your body. Simple as that. That may help soothe it. A hot tub is another good way to relax stiff muscles. Just don't use hot tubs or spas if you have high blood pressure or heart disease uh, or, or are pregnant, by the way. You're not supposed to use hot tubs. Now, here's Amy with a number of other sort of alternative treatments that are known to be helpful. All right, I want to talk about some alternative therapies. First, we're going to discuss magnets. Magnet therapies come in various forms. You can get them in bracelets, necklaces, inserts, pads, or discs. You can find them actually at most natural food stores and, of course, online shops. I don't have any myself, but lots of them. Most research on magnets involves people with osteoarthritis, the wear and tear type of arthritis that's linked to aging, not RA, and people with knee and hip osteoarthritis. Some early studies have actually shown they improved joint pain better than a placebo, which is always the outcome you want to see when you're doing research on any kind of therapy, whether it's natural or medicine. Doctors don't know exactly how magnets might relieve pain. We don't know a lot about the body, and there's no clear proof that they actually help people with rheumatoid arthritis. But you know what? When you're in pain and you have issues, sometimes things work that you don't expect. Acupuncture. This is a traditional form of Chinese medicine, and it's one of the oldest natural pain remedies around. People have been doing this for thousands of years. It uses super fine needles to stimulate energy along the pathways in your body called meridians. The goal is to correct imbalances of energy or qi. There isn't a lot of research, of course, specific to RA, although studies do show it lowers levels of chemicals in your bodies linked to inflammation. It also helps with chronic pain, especially back pain. That's good news for the millions of people out there with back pains. And it may also help with osteoarthritis. Now, since it involves needles that need to be clean and properly placed, ask your rheumatologist to recommend a practitioner who works with people who have RA. The natural therapy, aromatherapy, doesn't appear to affect pain levels or chemicals that cause inflammation. However, it might boost your mood. One study that was small found that lemon scent might boost your mood, and that's about it. Essential oils can be a nice addition to a massage. Be careful if you apply them to their skin or let someone else do that. You know they could be irritants, so some people are more sensitive to certain essential oils. You might try a patch test to see how you react, and don't use it, of course, on broken or damaged skin. Biofeedback. This therapy technique helps you learn to control automatic responses such as heart rate and blood pressure. 
You do it with sensors on your body, which send information to a monitor. A therapist teaches you how to control your reaction to stresses, thereby decreasing your heart rate and your blood pressure and relaxing you. Deep breathing is awesome. Take slow breaths from your belly. It can calm you and turn off the stress receptors that tighten your muscles and, of course, make pain worse. Plus, when you focus on your breathing, you take your brain away from thoughts about pain. You're sort of diverting the thought. It's just like meditation. Exercise, you might not feel like moving, but it is good for you. It won't make your RA worse, and it could lower the swelling in your joints and help ease pain. Of course, talk to your doctor or your physical therapist before you get started. Make sure you start slowly. That's really important. If somebody is throwing you into some rigid rigid exercise program, get out. Just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's going to hurt me. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and not be able to get out of bed. They can help you create the right program, again, specific to your illness. You don't want to just walk into a gym and say, hey, could you help me exercise? Um, Make sure that you focus on things like aerobics. And now I'm not talking about like a active Zumba class, but maybe walking, especially swimming. Swimming, you can jump up and down in a pool and you don't have the pain on your joints, but you're still moving. So swim slowly. You can do exercises in pools that you can't do outside of the pool when you have these problems. Strength training keeps your muscles around your joints really strong. Range of motion exercises helps your joints to move and stretch. And balance moves will help you avoid stumbles and falls because, of course, stumbling and falling, especially when you're older, can cause serious health problems. In fact, If you break your hip at a certain age, you know, there's a highly likely scenario that you might not come out of the rehab center. It's very sad. So we have a fall prevention already in our our house. You should always have one in your house, especially if you have someone older. A massage. Love massage. You can use aromatherapy while you're doing the massage. In fact, I personally like citrus smells. Um, I don't know if it has to do with growing up mostly in South Florida and having the orange blossoms around. But we had an orange blossom perfume that was always in the orange stands when we bought them. And, oh, it just smells so incredible. Find a scent that makes you feel relaxed. It might go back to a childhood memory. Maybe it's something your awesome grandmother wore. Who knows what it is? Or something your mother wore. Um, Find a scent that you like. You can use that in the room when you're getting massage therapy. Um, Sometimes if it's not a harsh oil, they can use that as a blend to massage into you also mixed in with the whatever oils they're using. Uh, Now, modern science does show that it eases pain, which is a miracle. (laughs) They've figured out that something we've all said works actually does work. There's many different types. You'll want to, of course, talk to your doctor before you try it. And you'll want to ask for recommendations because you don't want one of these deep tissue massages. I know that sounds really awesome. Now, if you're some workout dude and you've got lots of muscles and you're sore, whatever, that works great. If you're, if you have a lot of pain and a lot of joint swelling, the last thing you want is somebody sticking their thumbs deep into your shoulders or by your spine or your hips 
or massaging your hands aggressively, it will hurt in the morning. Even if you don't feel too much pain now, a few hours later or the next day, it's going to be super painful. So gentle, <laughs> gentle. Um, when you're talking to a massage therapist, make sure that they know where you're especially having pain, that you have the issue, but especially where you're having the pain. If the massage therapist doesn't sound like they know what you're talking about or understand your condition, just don't get undressed. Just say, you know what? Thank you for your time. I have a serious medical problem and or condition, you don't say problem, condition, and I really need someone who specializes in this issue. And ask them for recommendations. You don't have to be abruptly rude, but I would I would cut the massage before I even got it because the worst thing that can happen is it's a little too aggressive. You don't realize it at the time, and the next day you take a step back, and that's just not fun. I've, I've, that's happened to me before. You don't want to wake up in more pain after a massage. For goodness sakes, you're paying for this. It should be helpful, not hurtful. Um and also, make sure that they don't use things that irritate your skin. There are some products out there that you can be sensitive to. So you might want to get a generic oil used, an olive oil or a coconut oil. Just make sure that whatever they're using isn't going to hurt you. In the line of that deep breathing, I mentioned meditation. Meditation is a technique that can be as simple as focusing on the breathing and just noticing each inhale and exhale doesn't require any spiritual beliefs. You can bring that in if you want, if that makes you feel better. But I don't want you to feel like it's only because of religion that you're meditating. You're meditating to bring peace to your body and relax your muscles and take your mind off of what's going on around you, stressors. So it, it is about being uh, really calm. Anyone can do it. It only takes a few minutes, and that can make a difference. There's actually an app called Calm, C-A-L-M. I do have that app. I don't use it nearly as much as I should, but they give you 30 seconds. You can time it. You can also, I believe, pick a minute or longer, and they'll give you a sound, and they'll even coach you if you need on breathing. So it's really, it's, it's the, the one I like to listen to, of course, is water waterfalls but it's just a distracting thing you can meditate you can think about anything you want as long as it's not going to bring stress to you that's okay um, just turn your attention especially to your breath or whatever else you choose to focus on other things are like um, tai chi this is a gentle slow martial art it's easy on the joints you'll stand and do a series of gentle movements that are easy to modify if your joints are sore it can help with strength, flexibility, and balance. There isn't enough research to know if it works to curb RA pain, but it may be something to try. Thunder God Vine. A few studies have shown a drop in inflammation and tender joints in people with RA who take this supplement. A large government-funded study that compared this root with sulfasalazine, a traditional drug used to treat RA, found that symptoms improved more with the use of Thunder God Vine. Side effects may include stomach upset, headache, hair loss, upper respiratory tract infections, and sterility in men. Pregnant women and women at risk of getting osteoporosis should not take it. Keep in mind that it's hard to get safe and high-quality Thunder God Vine made in the U.S. The safety and effectiveness of U.S. God Vine from outside the U.S., 
such as from China, can't be verified according to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. Topical creams, gels, and patches, you might not think of a pain rub as a natural remedy, but many of these products are actually made from capsaicin, which is the ingredient that makes up chili peppers and makes them super hot. Studies show that it can help RA pain. Don't use it along with a heating pad. It can definitely make burns more likely. Turmeric, this golden spice found in many curries, is a member of the ginger family. It hails from India and Indonesia and has been a staple in traditional medicine in that part of the world for centuries. Research shows that it blocks proteins that cause inflammation and may ease pain as well as some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So in other words, it works as well as, say, ibuprofen which are commonly used to treat RA. What about chondritin and glucosamine? They both play an important role in the formation and maintenance of joint cartilage. Since it is the cartilage that's most affected in osteoarthritis, they are better indicated for this type of arthritis rather than RA. Visualization can help reduce stress and pain. Just try this simple exercise. Close your eyes, breathe deeply, and picture yourself in a quiet, peaceful place. Consider yoga. This mix of low-impact exercise, breathing, and meditation was developed in India some 5,000 years ago. It's good for your body and your mind. It can help ease joint pain, improve your flexibility, and zap stress and tension. Sounds wonderful, right? Everyone should be doing yoga. Studies show it can lower chemicals that cause inflammation and stress. Just talk to your doctor to make sure it's okay for you before you dive in. Work with them to find an instructor who knows how to handle people with RA. A warning about supplements. A few RA studies show that certain supplements and natural remedies can help, but the research is still in its early stages, so the bottom line is it's just not clear completely yet. Keep in mind that supplements can affect other medications. Tell your doctor about anything you take, even if it's natural, so they know that it's safe for you. Thank you for listening. This has been Joe and Amy Alton for the Survival Medicine Hour. Please join us next week for another episode. Be safe and healthy. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.